Welcome to episode 188 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> for that one month. For yeah, for those of you that are listening to this, you just heard another episode the week before where we said we're back. It's been several months since we recorded that one. <laughs> But we're back once again. <laughs> I'm excited. It's nice to I be back. I am too. It is nice to be back. Um, it was nice to dive back into Justice League. It was. Yeah. For the one we've been preparing for for years. Right? And like, did, did you look at the episodes that are like coming up even very soon? I did not. Okay. It's just like even just a casual glance at like the next episodes listed when I was starting the episodes today on HBO Max. Like a, a lot of the ones we keep talking about are in this first season. Yeah. Like the the one-off episodes that we're so excited to get to, not necessarily the, the Cadmus stuff, which we're excited about, but just like the one-offs, like The Return or the one where they become kids, yeah. this little piggy, like they're all this season. So what I think is so great about this season specifically is like, it is just, it, it's not filler. I would never call it that, but it no. is, the stakes are so much lower Yes, for this season specifically, where like we just got off of multiple planetary destruction plots. Mm-hmm planetary takeovers <laughs> deaths of characters right invasions left and right yes and now it's just like hey what happens if wonder woman's a pig exactly <laughs> this like this season from what i recall feels like that last season of Betos where we had done so many stories but then it was like well what's the weird version of this we can mm-hmm. do like what happens when harley tries to you know go straight or Here's this weird twist on this character we would not have seen coming. This feels like that, but for all the Justice League. It's like the, the big crazy stuff's out of the way, and now it's just like, oh, what's this weird one-off adventure we can go have? Yeah, and it's great for both the viewer and kind of for the characters, where like we know what the the core League members are capable of. Yeah. But now we get to see, like, we're growing with the new roster, mm-hmm. where they're working their way up to planetary destruction. Right. They're still on the floor, especially with Green Arrows, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about in a second. They're helping the little people. Yeah. It's fun. Yes, not just under 5'5 five, five people. <laughs> people on the ground floor. <laughs> not talking at all from experience there, are you, Cameron? Nope. nope. <laughs> Not this had enough pats on my head in my life to <laughs> become a supervillain myself. Well, w- would it make you feel any better if I confessed here on the air that I'm actually not six foot? Yes, it would. I am 5'11 and three quarters. I just round up. Yes, you monster. Also, this is why I have such tall hair now. <laughs> is it really? It really is. Or at least the tall hair helps. I mean, I did have a phase where I would wear my hat as tall as I could, <laughs> as far back on my head as I could to make it look slightly taller should we get you a, a top hat nope. you could wear on? oh i mean there is the have you seen the doug dimadome joke that's been going around since mid-quarantine remind me there was a college a group of college kids you, you remember doug dimadome yeah the owner the, of the doug dimadome? <laughs> yes you beat me to it uh, a bunch of college kids i get it was either 2019 or 2020 they built his hat oh yeah his a hundred thousand gallon hat as tall as they could where they just kept getting pvc pipe and stacking <laughs> it on top of each other where it got a world record for being like the world's tallest hat my god and it was it was something like 60 something feet they built it up and they could wear it on someone's yeah, head he had, he had a uh like a bike helmet on that he okay. strapped to his head and they basically had like handles on the side he had to hold to keep it straight up my god <laughs> How how tall do they get? Do they try to see how tall they can get without needing to do like the extra support work? Like how mm-hmm. how tall was that roughly? Like when it was probably just... like like twenty feet. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that seems about right. Yeah. yeah. They they would like stand next to a building to show how many floors yeah. high the hat was. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad someone made such productive use of their quarantine time. Yes. And I'm jealous I didn't think of it first. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> well, I mean, one would have thought that this would have been like the best time for to catch to catch up on episodes, because like what else did we have to do? Turns out a shitload, apparently. Yeah. But a lot of self-reflective work. Exactly. Yeah. Instead, we choose right when the world reopens and we can go do things on our weekend. Like, oh, we should do that podcast again that we haven't done. Yeah. In three months. Uh, but it is good to be back. Yes. It good is. to see you. Good to see you as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As the listeners are well aware, you and I do not socialize at all. Not once. Nope. Nope. Have not seen each other since that other episode <laughs> recorded some months ago. Prior to that, it had been over a year. Yes. yes. And what a blissful time it was. <laughs> Uh, I know you're just trying to eventually like kill me and take over the podcast. No, 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 no. You do far too much for me to <laughs> burden on myself. <laughs> I'm a necessary evil. Yes. Yes. That's all I've ever wanted to be in life. Yeah. Yeah. I've achieved it. All right. Well, shall we dive into our episodes here? Let's do the, the it. Very Let's beginning. initiate ourselves. Yes. Ooh, very good. Thank yeah. You. So we are starting off with Initiation, the first episode in Justly Unlimited, our last series. Oh. Our last series. But it's it's the best one. It is the best one. Very bittersweet. Uh, so in this one, um, Green Lantern declines an offer to join the newly expanded Justice League. Uh, and then he catches a ride back to Earth and gets caught up in a mission with Green Lantern, Captain Adam, and Supergirl to stop a giant nuclear-powered robot. Yes. Yeah. Slightly racist robot. Is it? I mean, it was built to defend themselves from, quote, the foreigners. <laughs> I'm not sure how to respond to that, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it was, you know, I'm looking at it through current day lens, not oh, okay. 2004 lens. Oh, my God. That's right. This was 2004. Mm-hmm. What a fucking throwback. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so, yeah, they, they go to the country of uh, Chiang Mai, and mm-hmm. they're like the military wants nothing, doesn't want them to be there, which I thought was kind of interesting. They actually kind of initially listened to them. They're like, okay, you guys don't want us here. Well, I guess we'll leave you be. Yeah, well, I, mean, it, I think it it does make sense for where we were in Justice League, mm-hmm. where they're they're still the heroes, but they're they're kind of still on thin ice. It's we want to respect the the law first. If they don't want us there, we're not going to be there. Oh, that okay. That's yes. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember like what happened over the course of the second season of Justice League. We'll also just compare it to Superman at the start of Justice League. That's true, yeah. he's still kind of seen as the villain to a lot of people. Yeah, he has to earn back their trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they you know, don't want to step on any toes Yeah. when it comes to protecting people. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, before we get like really into the meat of it, though, I have to ask you, what do you think of our, our new intro? Our, oh, my God. Our, our new theme? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Our new watchtower? Our new javelin? What are our thoughts? One of the javelins, incredible, everything. <laughs> the theme song gave me so much energy when I listened to it this morning. Yeah, it, it, it like I forgot just what glorious pump up music that is. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's beautiful. I I should make it my alarm clock. Oh, that's a good idea. Wait, but would you tire of it then? Never. Okay. Never. My alarm clock has been for the past year and a half has been the theme song from Cats Don't Dance, and so I think it's <laughs> it's about time I I transition to something else. <laughs> you know what you know what i have not missed or no i have missed excuse <laughs> me i have missed i have very much missed your ability to out camera yourself on a regular basis on this podcast yes. <laughs> as the sole preacher of cats don't dance so the only person on the whole planet that cares 
so much. Did they ever put it on HBO Max? No, <laughs> it's still on HBO Max. It's not anywhere. So how do you watch it? I bought it. Uh, like the DVD? I have it on iTunes and I have it on Amazon in case <laughs> one of the two doesn't let me watch it anymore. Oh my God. I, I appreciate your redundancy to make sure that you cannot live in a world where and I still back back home. I still have it on VHS. Oh my God, of course you do. Yeah, it's a collector's item. <laughs> I'm sure for you and you alone. Just for me. Yeah. Well, it's perfect then. Um, okay, the, the theme is great. Now, how do you feel about them doing the sort of like Mission Impossible style? We're going to show little clips of the upcoming episode over the intro title sequence. I I forgot that that was a thing until oh, okay. episode two. Yeah, I f- I forgot they did that. I love that. I mostly like it. I felt like, and we'll get to this in episode two, but I feel like sometimes they can spoil, like they will just spoil things before you even get into the episode. Like we know it's Mongol in the opening of That's the episode true. when we haven't actually seen him as a character. Now it's like, what, 30 seconds later into the episode that he's introduced. So I guess it's not that big of a deal. I but. think it's built in, in you know, it, it's not always the first thing we see in the episode. There's usually a cold open first. Yeah. But I see it as something built for syndication. Yeah, that makes Is sense. It, it's not meant for first watch. It's meant for people scrolling through channels and be like, oh, it's a JLU episode. I wonder yeah. which one it is. And then you see the, the theme song. It's like, oh, it's this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they can choose to watch it or not. It's also a way to, I mean, it's literally previewing what you're about to watch. Yeah. So you're like, oh, this looks action-packed and crazy, and I like these characters. I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, I love it. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, the, the new Watchtower. With the disc and the giant laser, so Batman doesn't have to sacrifice himself anymore. Well, we were not haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, like, what do you think of its overall aesthetic? I I like it. It feels very different. It feels more kind of futuristic. Yeah. than the other Watchtower did. I I because I always remembered like the the incomplete ring up at the top, mm-hmm. the two big arms going out, and then like the the big tower down the middle. I forgot there's like a bunch of shit off on the bottom like kind of breaking off in like little sections. And I forgot there's a bunch of little satellite facilities mm-hmm. too. Like the thing I had not remembered and they, they show a lot of it in this first episode is how much activity there is around it. There's these little satellite facilities. There's ships constantly going in and out of it. We get at least, I think one shot or like one scene of some of the staff that now work on the, the watchtower, which did not exist in the previous iteration. Mm-hmm. It was literally just the seven of them. Yeah. All funded by Wayne core. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, I think it, there's a unique feeling of it where like everything is a little scattered and it doesn't feel complete. And I think that is a good theme for them is we're never fully done. Right. There's always more work to be done. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I I mean, I guess it makes sense too. Like the whole point of this is that they have expanded. Mm -hmm. Like the scope and scale of everything has just been exponentially increased. You know, Superman even says something more or less that same effect, right? Of like, you're here because the world needs us now more than ever, and there's so many of us, and we can do everything. I forget what he said. Yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. It's a good speech. Just watched it. Here's my really bad paraphrasing of it. Yeah, I I do like, I do remember liking this design when it came around, and I do like it again. I think, I think I have a bit of a soft spot for the original Javelin, Mm -hmm. more so than the new one. I mean, not that I don't like the new one. I think it looks great. I think it just... The original one for me was like the javelin, right? The classic javelin. Well, now it's we don't see the javelin as often now. Obviously That's true. In the first episode, they have now teleporters. They have Zeta Tech. Yeah. Or which version are they using? Is it Zeta Tech? I version, don't or is it think boom tubes. I don't. It's neither. Cool. I don't think they ever refer to it specifically as Zeta tubes. I don't remember that ever being a thing until I watched Young Justice. Yeah, and yeah, because Zeta does come from the 
not Canamoans. The what's the the little aliens that speak German? What the a, the aliens that um. Oh, his, in Young Justice. Yes, I don't. They speak German. They do. I don't remember. Not, that. not on the show. In the comics, they're they're German. Oh, aliens. okay. I was like, where where is this all coming mm-hmm. from? It was. It's a weird side story where you learn that German is actually like a galactic language. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it comes from. Is it Ran? Yes. Yeah, because um, Adam Strange, mm-hmm. right? Adam Strange yep. uses Zeta Tech to like teleport to and from Earth. Yes. Okay, so it comes from the planet. Ran. Ron? Yeah. Ran? Ran. Yeah, because yeah, it's the Ranians. Uh, oh, he, that's his, right. Yeah, his, his girlfriend is, is like one of the Ranian royalty That's right. People. Okay. Things are vaguely coming in. What so are their you, fucking names? I don't, Not, I don't remember. I, I just watched Bad Batch. So I can only think of the... The, the Kaminoans? Yes. Or is it the Kaminoans? Kaminoans. Kaminoans? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Cameron knows nothing about Star Wars. Nothing. Or <laughs> Survivor. My Star Wars blanket. Or, or Survivor. Yeah, I just noticed <laughs> yeah, you have a Rise of Skywalker blanket. No, it's all of the movies. Yeah, but it ends in Rise of Skywalker. Like, you got this when Rise of Skywalker came out. Yeah, because mm. I, I did the, <laughs> the the nine movie marathon. That's right. I forgot you did that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not. That, I'm sorry that I forgot. I'm sorry that you did it. Yeah, well, I only watched a couple of them. Because we watched nine together in our wonderful experience. That was fucking this awful. When the theater lost control of its its patrons. Yeah. Well, the theater was <laughs> broken for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I don't remember the name of the little aliens, but yeah. So it's they just have general teleporter technology. Like I think it's just their version of like Star Trek stuff. I don't remember them ever naming it specifically. And Boom Tube is obviously not exclusive to apocalypse because it's apocalypse the new genesis i think it's the same thing but that's mother box technology correct whereas this is just i don't know batman now it's a teleporter technology so um but like what i think is interesting is their entry point into the story right because obviously the league's expanded and there's all these new characters i thought it was really cool that they chose green arrow to be like a point of view character because this is his episode mm-hmm. like it's almost entirely from his point of view he has the most substantial character arc and kind of the the big lingering dramatic question through all of it is will he end up joining the league or not and i think that was smart to have him be our our i think there's a more like specific term like our our, our entry point character in this world like um they always do that like uh i what is this craziness i don't know what's happening yeah here. the perspective character thank you yeah it's like harry potter it's like oh explain to me harry potter what all this magic is i don't know what it is but slash explain it all to the audience like it makes sense they would pick green arrow as like this one holdout who just didn't really want to join because he's like i'm here for the little guy like when we meet him he's preventing just a general robbery in a grocery store like he's not the guy who goes up against these big freaking monsters he even tells batman as much it's like yeah i'm here to you know i don't battle monsters i'm here to save the little guy and Batman's point it's like well those big monsters have a tendency to step on the little yeah. guy and it's such a great parallel because there is always that parallel that happens between Green Arrow and Batman yeah and I think it was so important for him to have that conversation with Batman because in the start of Justice League that was Batman's perspective yeah he's like why like, you you Superman you are the Superman you do the galactic stuff yeah I'm here for Gotham and only Gotham and anything that comes out of Gotham is not my problem anymore exactly <laughs> Other side of the border, no longer my issue. Yeah, once you jump the river, yeah. I'm gone. Fine. I have a perfect square map. It is 24 <laughs> by 24 miles. Yeah, it does make sense that it would be Batman talking to Green Arrow. Because also, I mean, there are other heroes in the league who don't have powers, but they are 
parallels a lot through the comics. It kind of parallels here to like to your point of that was Batman's perspective, and now he's the one having to convince someone to do the thing that he didn't want to do in the first place because he's realized, oh, this is actually really freaking necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, what would have happened if the Just League didn't exist when the Thanagarians invaded, for example, or something like that? Like, he's like, no. We need to be here. We need to do this. And also, I like that he understands the value someone like Green Arrow brings. Like, you need to keep us grounded. Because he's no longer the grounded one. He's been doing this for long enough that he's literally, like, up amongst the gods. Mm-hmm. And he needs someone else to step in and be like, guys, tone it down a little bit. Yeah, and I think that goes really well with the people chosen for the mission mm-hmm. that he's brought on, where it's they're going to... And uh, investigate some nuclear movement actually yeah, happening, moving nuclear spike. Yeah, and so it's uh, the core team is Green Lantern, Captain Adam, and Supergirl mm-hmm. with Green Lan- or Green Arrow kind of tagging along. Yeah, you have a super strong alien, you have a government shell, and then a veteran. Yes, and Green Arrow is still the one that has to save the day. So yeah. he's kind of seeing that, like, oh, even the best, like you know, it's the strategist, the muscle, and the experience can't always do it right like i still have to i still have importance here yeah well and i mean also one thing worth noting too is they didn't just bring captain adam because he's like uh what'd you call it government shell or shill <laughs> shell yeah. shell also he can absorb nuclear <laughs> yeah, energy the, there is a very good practical reason <laughs> for him to be a part of this it's like okay yeah like I'll lead. Supergirl can punch you when needs to be punched, um, but also you can literally suck away the thing that we're trying to clear away. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is so, his actual purpose. Yeah, he has a very good reason <laughs> to be there. But I mean, you know, it was interesting because part of Green Arrow's arc is not only discovering whether he wants to be a part of a team, but within that is can he work with someone who he is like very ideologically opposed to? He even tells Captain Adam, like, I'm pretty sure you were what I like protested against in college. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was just a kind of a fun line, but even just watching them kind of develop very quickly, it's a 23 minute episode, but a, like a respect over the course is fun to watch. Like, it's a, that's a step towards him going, like, oh, I could do this. I could find a way to make it work with these guys who I have nothing in common with, seemingly. Yeah. Which is great when it suddenly becomes the B story, because now the A story in the last 30 seconds is, oh, I want to sleep with Black Canary. I mean, fair. <laughs> fair. And that is the only story we see from this episode. I mean, that's actually true. That's most of the rest of his like screen time is Mm -hmm. him just basically trying to court Black Widow or uh, Black Canary. Canary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that was like. Yeah, I think he had already. (laughs) I think we can confidently say that after you know he saves the day, he he shoots the 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 carbon cooling rod or whatever it is to the tiny little hole in the front of the giant robot's stomach to extinguish the nuclear flame. Bunch of words just happened there. Yep. I think he had already kind of realized, okay, I do bring something of value, but you know, the, the, there were two little icings on top. One was the, I'm sure fantastic showers up on just public showers. I did think about that. <laughs> yeah. It's in like, the middle of the room. It was like the hallway off of the main chamber. It just opens and it's not like he walked into a locker room. He just walked out in a towel. One, not complaining, but two, why? Yeah. Why design it this way? Maybe it's not the show. Maybe it's like the sauna area. Still doesn't make any sense. And it's like it's like the it's like you know you wear your swim trunks. It's like the public sauna, <laughs> but there were like multiple rooms, so it couldn't have been like the public one. You would think there would be I don't know somewhere like mid to lower on the the whole tower. There would be a whole floor dedicated like all different kinds of gyms, right? Like normal human gyms, like superhuman gyms, like where I don't know Superman, Superman can go to bench press and stuff like that. 
a, a target range where Green Lantern can just shoot laser beams and not create constructs. Yep. Like obviously full locker room, sauna, massage parlor. I would think. Of I'm, sure, I'm sure they have a full full. Well, like, that's where spot. elongated man is. <laughs> Very true. If, if Plastic Man were in this continuity, I don't think he is, right? I don't think we ever see Plastic Man. I, we see Elongated Man right. in the opening, but I, I don't think I Plastic think, Man. I think Plastic Man was one of those characters like Blue Beetle that there was some like contractual rights thing they couldn't mm-hmm. include. But were Plastic Man to exist in this universe, that's where he would be. Oh, of course. Obviously. Well, so that's, that's, Disguising himself as a towel. That's, <laughs> um, that's where I think the the hallway showers came from. So I bet every core member got to design the new watchtower. Okay. And everyone gets one contribution. <laughs> oh no. And then they're like, yeah, we should have like the central work area where everyone can kind of see what's going on. So there's no like privacy issues and no mm-hmm. one thinks that there's like a secret going on behind them. The first then, open floor plan office. Yeah. Then flash <laughs> comes in. And he's like, what if we had public showers? <laughs> <laughs> like what? He's like, you said I get one contribution to this and I want a shower on every hallway. I- it's uh, that the writers have been uh, watching a lot of Ally McBeal with their <laughs> their co-ed bathroom. And like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just do this, but a shower version. Yeah. On the watchtower. <laughs> Perfect. Also in Boy Meets World, which I always thought was very unique. Wait, when in Boy Meets World? Was that in the when col- they go to college. When they go to college? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, I think you recall yeah, because, this. Yeah, um, because Corey is very uncomfortable. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of those later seasons I forgot. The only thing I remember is like for some reason after they get married, they're moved to another part of the dorms because they're yeah. married. Yeah, that's pretty common in colleges. There's like the marriage area, the married couples. Did you not have that in your college? No. Oh, we, oh you went to a coastal college. I went to the Midwest. Okay, well, I went to a coastal Jesuit college. Yes, that is also the, yes. Okay, wait, I mean, to be fair, I guess there was, was there one building where you could... No, I don't remember. There, I don't think there was any on-site housing where you could have a co-ed room. Again, we, Catholics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we had the normal dorms were kind of at the top of the hill, yeah. where all the freshmen had to stay, and then halfway down the hill were like three, kind of like condominiums. Okay, where it was like that was like the married people's area. It was like the family dorms. Huh. Yeah. Fucking blew my mind. I thought that was just a fake thing they did on TV. Nope. That's right. <laughs> but to your point, Coastal College. Yeah. Yeah. Middle of Silicon Valley. <laughs> so. But yeah, you're right. I think ultimately it's 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 Black. It's the Flash is doing. It's the Flash is doing. It's Black Canary that ultimately like convinces Green Arrow. Yeah. To jump on board. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think if I had a lot about the actual like plot itself. I mean, the plot's fairly thin overall. It's basically just there as like a showcase for like the different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a couple little moments that I really liked. Uh, I love they had the boxing glove, the green arrow oh boxing my God, glove the, arrow. The net and the boxing glove. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, I remember when Arrow came on and like, he had, I want to say it was like some sort of stun arrow and someone made a joke of like, oh, like, why do you have that? It's like, well, it's better than having a boxing glove. They make a joke about it. And then later on at one point, he actually, I think it was when they had Wildcat in the show. He literally like puts an arrow inside a boxing glove, then shoots it to knock someone out. Mm-hmm. And like, I get it. That was supposed to be like a much more grounded, gritty universe at that time. Whereas this was, they could be as fun as playful as they want to like, fuck it. Like within the first 30 seconds, boxing glove arrow. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's so important as well, because for me, and I'm, I'm sure for you, this was our first introduction to every B and C tier oh, yeah. hero. Oh, same. This yeah. was the only version I had of Green Arrow in my head until the Arrow series. Uh, yeah, I guess it'd be the same for me, too. Well, yeah. I, I, the Smallville one, but that is... 
Oh, well, yeah, Justin Hartley era. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and I think that is actually a good middle point between this Green Arrow and Arrow Arrow. Yeah. Well, because both TV versions of Arrow were just Batman and everything but name. Yes. Essentially. I mean, I mean to be fair, the character is very, very similar. But at least this one, they, they're like, fuck it, we're going full Arrow Flynn. He's got the goatee. He's got the hat. He's got those weird, like arm half arm sleeves yeah the braces yeah going on just, i guess it's but that, that, no, that, that, that's what archers wear though okay i don't know anything about yeah, archery it's, it's so the um when you pull the string back it doesn't like tear up your forearm well that just makes sense yeah okay <laughs> yeah they're know. braces okay i don't know what this is um, cool, you haven't played enough rpgs in your life i've very very few not my bag um, I also, I liked a little moment. So after GL gets like, takes a full on blast from nuclear bot, which I don't know if it has a name or not. We can make one nuclear bot. Cool. Okay. There we go. That was simple. Um, and he's in the, like the recovering on the javelin. Did you catch? He calls out Shira's name. Yes. Which like is interesting one, because obviously they're, it's a very subtle way, subtle to remind us what just happened to him. But also it feels weird because then like the next moment he's completely lucid and has a very like grounded conversation with everyone. Yeah. And all three respond to Shaira. Yeah. They're all like, oh, did he call me? Oh, what? You? That, that doesn't sound like any of us here. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Is that the nickname you're giving me? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> it. I don't know. It was just kind of a little moment. I like to put it in there. But I mean, I do. I like this episode because it sets up. This is the structure of, mm-hmm. of this season in particular. It's, hey, it's going to be kind of like a lot of one-off missions primarily. And we're going to have a whole cast of characters, some of which you're familiar with, some of which you're not. And just go along and have a fun time. Mm-hmm. It was great. It's great. I love it. There's a couple little holes. <laughs> you like the, the big one in the middle of the, the robot? Yeah, it's they, like they, the, the, the tiny car- one that's perfect arrow size. Yeah. Well, well, also, I'm sure it also would fit a perfect battering. Probably would. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, somehow that one rod was enough to distinguish, extinguish yeah, him? Yeah, half of a rod. Half, that's true. It broke. Wait, but what were some of the holes you had an issues with? Um, Captain Adam, being made of uh, nuclear energy, could not get close enough to the robot to, like, touch it, but Supergirl could punch it very easily with no problems. Fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to be like, ah, well, maybe... No, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's literally his substance. And if it's keeping him safe on the inside, why is it not also keeping him safe on the outside? Yeah, that would have made sense. Mm-hmm. But I did like that, like, you see him blow up. Like, yeah. there are still some stakes in this. Like, yeah. first episode, we see a character basically die. Yeah. Well, Superman even makes a comment in his his big grand speech. Like, you know, you're all heroes who are here who are willing to pay the price, possibly the ultimate price. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment, at least in this, when we think Captain Adam has, in fact, died. Yeah. But don't worry. They just, they have big space vacuums. Yeah. Well, of course they do. That's right. They have everything. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like Green Arrow, or Green Lantern could just, like, make a little bubble. He probably could have. Yeah. But he wasn't there at the time. Remember, he was incapacitated mm-hmm. on the ship. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, there was time between them getting back to the ship and them scooping up the space light and space dust and putting it back into a suit. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have two questions for you. We can take this in, in two directions right now. Okay. Uh, I would like to pitch an idea for this series. Okay. Since it's a bunch of one-off missions with a bunch of characters you don't, we're not super familiar with at the moment. Sure. I would like us to play the role of Martian Manhunter after we see the mission and oh, see who we would send. Who we, we would have picked. Yes. And if Martian Manhunter was, in fact, correct with his team. Okay. Um, or we can go over Captain Adam's history. I mean, 
can you do a very short version of Captain Sadness history? Well, I can. While I bring up the roster of the full JLU, which I don't remember off the top of my head and would need to know to answer your other question? Yes. Okay. Uh, so the reason I call him the government shell. Uh, do you mean shell or shill? Shill. Okay. The one where he's like a, a puppet. Shill. Shill, yes. Right? Yeah. But yeah. he's technically a shell of nuclear energy. Well, I mean, yes. He, he is a, a shell shill, and not for the oil company shell. Right. Yes. But. Yes. Uh, <laughs> partially. A, a, a shill. A shill is learning time. Shill is an accomplice of a hawker, gambler, or swindler who acts as an enthusiastic customer to entice or encourage others. Um, I don't know if he's... So I guess by that definition, maybe not quite a shill. Wait till I read the definition or his his backstory. Okay. And clearly he's changed since this point. Yes. Uh, Nathaniel Adam was a former U.S. military officer during the Vietnam War mm-hmm. uh, where he was framed for war crimes and sentenced to death. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, and it was overseen by the future villain, Colonel Wade Elling. Okay. Uh, Eiling. Eiling. Thank yes. you. Uh, to avoid his sentence, Adam was offered a chance of freedom if he participated in a, mil- in a military experiment with a very slim chance of survival. <laughs> and if he survived, he'd be granted a presidential pardon. This experiment is insane, Chris. The experiment involved going into a crashed alien spaceship and sit in the hole while they exploded a nuclear bomb underneath it to see if the hole was strong enough to survive a nuclear bomb. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he sat in the hole of a ship while a bomb exploded under him. Uh, against the odds, he survived, but the combination of nuclear energy with the alien tech fused with him Fused with his body, which creates the outer shell, makes him energy, and flung him 20 years in the future. <laughs> now, 1986, when he was created, mm-hmm. um, he returns to a world where former Colonel Eiling? Eiling? Eiling. Eiling is now General Eiling. He wipes away any former offer of freedom and instead doubles down on the treason with now accusations of murder. Eiling blackmails Adam into being a government-controlled hero, Captain Adam. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that happens <laughs> A lot of shit that he went through. So... I didn't, I think I maybe had read up his backstory once, probably like 20 years ago when this episode came out. Beyond that, the only origin I knew of his was the one from New Frontier, mm-hmm. where he is inside the, spoiler I suppose for New Frontier, but he's inside the center, the alien, when they set up the nuclear bomb, and like, that's enough. Like, that combination leads him to becoming Captain Adam. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a midpoint between, like, this and, like, uh, Mr. Manhattan. Right. Um... You mean... Um, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, please. He's <laughs> Sorry. Doc- yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm, I'm thinking of the the uh, the male... Oh, fuck, what is the thing called? A pageant. Mr. Universe? Yes, but okay. it's, it's the much smaller version of <laughs> Mr. Manhattan. This is the local one. Yeah. Um, but I love that so many of these heroes have to have... It's actually two things, right? It's like the Flash. Oh, it's chemicals and lightning. Mm-hmm. Captain Adam, it's alien spaceship and a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's a much wider story going on that I didn't try and dig into. Where okay. his Nathaniel Adams' wife obviously left him because they thought he was dead for 20 years and is now married to now General Eiling. Eiling. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's always that. It's yep. always that. And so he's trying to win his wife back while clearing his name. Uh, while also kind of hooking up with his main villain, who he then marries later once he gets his freedom. Classic Count of Monte Cristo dynamic happening yes. here. Classic. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous, though, in terms of origins. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to take in. I'm glad they didn't try to get into that here. Yeah. At all. I, I could have maybe gone for, like, a line. Like, oh, how did you get this way? It's like, well, there was an alien spaceship, a nuclear bomb, and Green Arrow just like, I'm good. Yeah. That's, no, thank you. That's enough. Thank you. 
Supergirl, you came here on a, a ship? Great. That's nice <laughs> and simple. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, in the past, you're actually older than your cousin? I don't want to know about that. Exactly. <laughs> also, he's not your cousin? Yeah. Yes. In but this he's version? you, kind of? Yeah, right? I don't understand. Um, okay, but so, okay, your other question of who would you pick? Okay, I'm going to let you go first because I think I have to think about this. Slash, I, have to, so, I didn't find the roster. I got too caught up. <laughs> it's a big story. It's weird. It is, yeah. Um, I've also not put too much thought into this so far. Brilliant. Um, it was more of the question I was proud of. It's a good question. It's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Captain Adam is a, is a very smart choice. I think I'd still send him. Yes. Because he can absorb nuclear matter. Again, probably the most important person to be there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think once we knew it, because all he was going off of was moving nuclear energy. So he couldn't know that it's actually a giant robot that people can't get close to. Right. Okay, that's true. Yeah, they're just checking out some weird nuclear fallout. Mm -hmm. They're only sending Supergirl to, like, give her experience in the field. Right, to train her up. Mm -hmm. So I I understand that, and I appreciate that, Martian Manhunter. You're thinking of the team. Uh, Maybe not the best choice. (laughs) Who else would I throw in there? Um, Firestorm. Do we see Firestorm? I don't think we see Firestorm in this series. uh, We don't. Because he... So Firestorm is actually, like... How, like, um, Green Arrow and Batman are, like, friends, but also, like, very deep rivals. Mm-hmm. That is how Firestorm and Captain Adam are in the comics. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's another one of those characters that, for whatever reason, never popped up in here. I'm pretty sure. I don't... Yeah, I don't um, remember ever seeing him. Who do I... Who do I maybe Steel still could have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, who would have been the most useless person they could have sent? Wildcat. Yeah, Wildcat. I'm going to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't, Ted. Wildcat, uh, <laughs> the Creeper, Vigilante. Yeah, I was shocked to see the Creeper. Crimson Knight. Um, well, Crimson Knight has a sword. I suppose that's true. That's that's something going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I Etrigan couldn't really do much. I mean, Etrigan would have been fun to have just because he would have been a total a-hole for the whole thing. Yeah. It would have been fun to see him verbally spar against Green Arrow. Um, yeah, I'm looking through the at least. But in rhyme. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm looking through the roster here. Yeah, and no, uh, no Firestorm. Uh, but there's a hero called Wave Rider who can manipulate the time stream. Oh. Don't know what that's supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think for what we had, this was probably the team. I mean, like you could have done like Superman instead of Supergirl. Right. Uh, Flash could have done something, I'm sure. But if we're limiting it to like one core member yeah. per group, I think Green Lantern is a decent... If he wasn't taken out immediately, he would have been very helpful in this mission. Where he could have but, just like made a construct to yeah. go in the hole. I, any of the rest of them would have been taken out immediately. Yeah. Too. It's like I saw, I saw a great um, meme recently, and it was of uh, Luke in the Return of the Jedi. He's like writhing on the ground, being shoot by the Emperor, and it was just every character in the first season of Justice League. <laughs> After every, one punch, every League member. <laughs> It's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Any other any other thoughts on initiation here? Um, I I think we covered everything. All right. It's a beautiful introduction. It is. I think it's a great way to start off the series. I think it's just a perfect way to get a sense of what's going to come down the line for us. All right. So up next, we have episode two for the man who has everything. Yeah. So everything we just set up in that first episode and all the, the threads we're setting up for the rest of the series, forget about it. Yeah. They don't matter in this episode. This no. ma- this episode 
hurts. It's uh, beautiful. Were you emotionally prepared for this? No. No? I never am. <laughs> it's, I, I remember it being longer in my head. It's short. It's yeah, very, very short. It's been very little time in the dream world. Yeah. So uh, to catch anyone up who's not familiar with what this episode is, um, Batman and Wonder Woman visit the Fortress of Solitude for Superman's birthday. Aww. And discover he's been rendered comatose by the Black Mercy, a telepathic plant that subdues his victims in a fantasy that fulfills their heart's desire. Yes. Uh, all of this as a gambit for Mongol to take out Superman, who he sees as the Earth's only true defender, and so he can just take over the planet and kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most, I think, interesting part of this is the fantasy that Superman's dumped into because he's back on Krypton. Yes. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. There's a lot to take in. Yeah. Because I, before watching this episode, I was playing it in my head of like his fantasy doesn't involve Lois, but it kind of does in a weird way or his like true, true dream. Right. Yeah. He, he has a, a, a wife whose name I forget, but it's Loana. A, thank you. Yes. It's called Mix. This is kind of weird for a man married to Lois. Loana is a mixture of Lois and Lana. To be fair, in this universe, he's not married to Lois. I, I said practically married. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it is kind of a weird... It's basically like... It, the character is voiced by Dan Delaney, who, of course, voices Lois. So it's basically the look of Lana with the voice and personality of Lois. Yes. Which is a weird, weirdest kind of combination. Yeah, but you know, that's that's Cal. That's his, that's his fantasy. That's his dream. I mean, maybe, maybe... The, the the nice way of looking at this is just that Clark is such a good guy. He's just he's such a good pick. He just well, he's such <laughs> a good guy that in his heart he will always love Lana a little bit too. And yeah. so in the the his truest heart desires he could have a he could find a way to be with both of them. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think I feel like the what the very final episode of JLU we see Superman go on like a picnic date with Lois, but he basically doesn't have an ongoing relationship with her once he's in the justice league, as far as we see. Right. So I don't even know if they're dating or not. Uh, I feel like we, we get like moments from what I remember. I don't, I, I just remember the that episode one. where they, they're stuck in the dream worlds. Um, where something happens with Lois. Oh, from the last season. Yeah. With, um, Dr. Destiny. Yes. Yes. Wasn't that, was that when he was worried he had the fantasy that he was killing everyone? Yeah, they were, they were together there. I thought she just walked up to him in the office and his like his heat vision went off and he roasted her. Oh, is that what it was? I think so. I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> I mean, we forget everything immediately, plus add three months. Mm-hmm. And we also, there's a big subject that we've, we've done a good job avoiding so far, but I think needs to be brought up mm-hmm. for the time we're recording this. And we've had ample conversation about this. It's a very sensitive topic for the world right now. And it is Batman's sexual... <laughs> life <laughs> heroes don't do that heroes don't do that <laughs> and we had a long conversation about superman we did i i think we came to the conclusion that superman does but maybe with slight, slight hesitation yes yeah with with more force from the other partner yeah he's like i'm slightly uncomfortable by this but sure i'll go for it yeah lois wouldn't let him not no it's basically what we decided also just be a good sexual partner yeah yeah but it's a fucking effort mm-hmm. if you saw zach snyder's tweet i did exactly how it should be i did i 
the heroes don't do that. The stupidest. The it's stu- hilarious. Stupidest fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Heroes are selfish lovers, is basically what they're saying. Which I think is so funny that Batman is the one in the center of the controversy because they spent decades trying to get rid of the idea that Batman was in a, in a relationship with Robin. I Decades to, to wipe that from people's memory. Didn't even think about that. And you're 100% right. They, they introduced the character of on Harriet and the Batman TV show as a way to show that there's no way they're gay. They live with their aunt. Yeah. Have you ever seen the, uh, the animated sequels to the 60s TV show? I've not. They're actually pretty decent. They, um, before Adam West passed away, it was, he returned, as did uh, Burt Ward and Julian O'Mara to voice Batman, Robin, and Catwoman, respectively. Um, and what's funny is there's a little bit of like not a wink going on in that, where in that version on Harry, it's always like, oh, are you guys boys going fishing again? Huh? Huh? That's amazing. That's adorable. <laughs> Um, okay. Most important question though. Does Adam West Batman? Oh, of course. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's very worried about being a concerned citizen. Mm-hmm. So yes. Yeah. For the greater good. Well, I would, I, this is, this is a poor comparison, but it's the first comparison that went in my head of anything <laughs> that Austin Powers would do. Adam West would do. That is really accurate way of putting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> You're 100 percent right. Yeah, that feels like a weird comparison, but a weirdly accurate comparison. Yeah. Um, oh God, heroes don't do that. So fucking dumb. It's hilarious. Um, I get, I get the sense that uh, Kal El in this fantasy reality would. Yes. Yes, I think so. Uh, um, so going back to Target. Right. Yes. Uh, it's interesting in his dream world. He also still lives on a farm. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I think that does kind of make sense. Like, I think that is ultimately, like, at the end of the day, he is, he's a farm boy. Mm-hmm. Like, he left Smallville because he knew that he had a greater purpose on this planet. But it does go to show that, at the end of the day, like, he doesn't really want to be a hero. He does it because he knows he's the best person to do it. Yeah, he has to. Yeah. But if he had his way, he would just live a really simple life. Mm-hmm. On the farm. Yeah, and it, it's great that even, like, Van El, his 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 son brings that up he's like why don't we live here like candor is awesome yeah and there's a lot of great parallels between candor and metropolis mm-hmm. and also candor being the only named city that anyone knows from uh krypton yeah honestly i couldn't name one if i tried no nope and i only know it because of the bottled city of candor as i'm sure everyone knows yeah it's that's the famous storyline yeah and it was yeah whenever i remember there was a big bang theory when i was still into big bang theory they bring it up in like the second or third episode mm-hmm. and i was like i know what that means i get that reference i get that reference which is like the best part of old big bang theory i mean it eventually became the worst part of it because all they did was just make references and not jokes yeah but you know that's neither here nor there but yeah so he he's a he's a farm boy i love that brainiac exists as like that universe's version of alexa mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 alexa alfred exactly <laughs> his little his little brainiac robot now it was unclear if everyone has a brainiac or it's just them that have a brainiac i would imagine well because isn't it that um not jor-el what's his dad jor-el oh it is jor-el okay um isn't it jor-el created brainiac as a way to preserve kryptonians like heritage that's i think that is this version yeah so it would make sense for like the house of l to all have kind of brainiacs yeah he's just like i yeah i guess it's a good way of thinking about it is because they even make a, a point of when they go to in the city to meet up with jor-el he says like oh yeah like i because clark is starting to see cracks in the facade like the 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 plan is literally shaking and no one seems reacting to it mm-hmm. 
Um, and Jarrell even says, oh, this, like, you remember years ago, I had this theory that crypto was going to explode and I was wrong. I had to work my way back up to rebuilding my reputation. So I guess we can assume that this is like that story if it had continued on without Krypton blowing up. So Brainiac did exist and it's a very nascent form back then. Yeah. And just somehow they prevented it from going evil. Yeah. Or they didn't. I don't know. I like that he's also just like a little snarky. Yeah. It, it's a very nice, subtle thing where like Loana throws the pillow at him and he just dodges. And I, I meant to look day. it up. I think. Um, is the voice of oh. Jarrell, is it, is it the same voice as Pa Kent? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. So uh, the voice of Jarrell is Christopher McDonald, who did voice Jarrell in the original pilot Batman series. Also voiced old Superman in Batman Beyond. Okay, cool. But uh, no, I was looking up to see who voiced Brainiac because it sounds a lot like Skeet in the Booster Gold episode. Yes, it was the greatest story never told, mm-hmm. and that great is, episode. Oh, that I is a great Mr. episode, Gold. and that voice is Billy West. Famous for many things, but probably most famously for Fry on Futurama. Yes. And this Brainiac sounded enough like... And Zoidberg. And Zoidberg, of course, yeah. And Farnsworth and... Yeah, all, like the half, entire cast half of the show. Um, I thought, wait, wait, is that Billy West? It's not. It's it's Mike Farrell, who voices also Jonathan Kent. When is Jonathan Kent in this? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sure we, we'll see him eventually. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, a little, got a little Brainiac robot in there. We got a little bit of... Um, Jarrell, I like the the reference to Little Zod. I don't remember that one. So Van L accidentally spoils the surprise party they're gonna have for Kal-El. Oh yes. And yes, the yes, mom yes. is like, oh no, like you're mistaken. Like Little Zod's party is next weekend. Like implying that this is the only reference I think ever to Zod. Because we got Jaxer and, and N- Mala? Whatever. In this rather than Zod. Mm-hmm. That's the one reference we get to like Zod, and now he's got some weird little Zod. Yeah. Um, I also love the dog's name is Crypto. Of course, it has to be. It's the only Crypto we get here. Yeah. But I mean, it is it is very sweet though, because like the cracks start forming pretty quickly on. He's like, oh, like he's that moment to realize like he has to say goodbye. And the thing I caught this time that I didn't catch when I saw it years ago is you know there's that moment where Crypto is like shit on the floor, and. Brainiac goes clean up. He's like, no, no, no. Van L has to do it himself. He has to learn to take responsibility. And the line that he he says is, we have to live up to our responsibilities. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this now, knowing where it was going to go. I could see that foreshadowing of like, that's ultimately what he chooses to do is like, this is the life he would want, but he knows he has responsibilities and he know he has to leave. Yeah. It, it's rough, man. Yeah. This little monologue with, with Van L. It's like, I don't think you're real. I know, but, oh, I, but I remember every God. moment. Your birth was the happiest day of my life. I remember you grabbing onto my finger. But it's not real. It's not real. It's oh fuck, man. God, and it's just, it's, a, it's such an intense, like heartbreaking moment. And what I think is so interesting is, you know, obviously it's it's countered by what's happening back in the real world, which is that one Roman is fighting with Mongol for her life. Like mm-hmm. she is outmatched in a way we've kind of never seen her be outmatched before. And Batman is like letting her fight it out because he knows the only way to get out of this is they need Superman. Yeah, and he's pleading for Superman. Yeah. We've seen, this is something we've never seen Batman do, well, is say please. Right. Maybe and this Batman wouldn't <laughs> go down. Yeah, well, I, think that, I, think, I think he would. Okay. I, think, I think that shows that he probably would. Um, but what I think is so interesting is that he, in that moment, he recognizes that Superman is the str- like the strongest being he knows, not only in terms of the physical strength needed to fight Mongol, but he also recognizes nothing is going to break through the Black Mercy but Superman's own willpower. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that can get him out of it. 
And it just, I think it's a really incredible moment that only works because the history between them. And it just goes to show that Batman does really, really respect and like Clark. And trust him. And trust him. He doesn't know how to express it all the time. Like that, this is one of those moments that shows how much trust Bruce has in Clark that he knows the only way forward is Superman has to do it. He's actually ceding control of someone else, which he almost never does. Mm -hmm. It's a great moment. Yeah, I also love that the three of them all only use their first names with each other. Oh, yeah, They at that never point. use their hero names, which yeah. is great. Yeah, because they're well past it at that point, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Because I think, obviously, the rest of the core knows their secret identities. I think we know, I think it's assumed that the broader league does not. Mm -hmm. That it's just those now six. Yeah. Slash seven. Six and a half. Six and a half, yeah, that no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think a lot of people say this, but that moment of... Kel all saying goodbye to his son is like one of the best in all of the DCAU. Yeah. It's just, it's and even like, we're, like, like I said, we're only in that world for maybe five minutes. It, but those are emotional five minutes. Did it feel a little bit rushed to you? It, I think just because like we hype it up so much in our yeah. head, it feels like we see the whole world. Yeah. And in the comic, we actually spend a lot more time. Mm. So this is based off the 1985 the Man Who Has Everything comic. Yes. Where we spend a lot more time in the dream world mm -hmm. where there's like a whole trial going on uh, where you see Kara with, with Jor-El like trying to figure out what's going on in this world. They, they're like investigating the Tremors. Oh, okay. So it's not just Clark. Yeah. He's Hello. not the only one that notices it. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. That, I guess that makes a little more sense because in my mind, they got to that point where he realized he had to leave very, very soon. It kind of felt like they're there wasn't a big moment where he made that realization. It was just kind of like enough little things made him go like, Oh yeah. Like I don't think you're real and I have to leave. Mm -hmm. um, it still works. It yeah. definitely still works despite maybe feeling a little bit rushed. Um, it's interesting. You, you talk about how this is adapted. It's adapted from an Alan Moore story. Yes. Which this is the only or one of the only adaptations he allowed his name to be included on. Wow. And I guess because the, the writers, the producers actually went to him like, here's the, here are the changes we're going to make. And he, was okay with him enough that he allowed his name to be attached. He like he who famously has his name isn't on anything. Mm -hmm. Like even the Watchmen movie, the Watchmen TV show, it's you know um, like adapted from based on, yeah, yeah based on a, the graphic novel. I think this is like co-creator illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Oh wow! Like it it just flat out just doesn't include Alan Moore's credit on it because he refuses to be credited on any sort of things. Interesting because he's also a crazy person. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Very famously a crazy person. Yeah, because I, I have not read the original comic. I haven't either, yeah. Uh, but from a brief description, I from what I've seen, really the only changes they made is they just took away a couple characters. Yeah, I think they just streamlined it. Yeah, and, and there's a much longer sequence of Batman being attacked by the Black Mercy. Oh, that's right, yeah, because once they get it off Superman, it attaches itself to Batman, and he relives the moment where his parents die, but in this version, for at least a little bit, Thomas is fighting back and beating up on Joe Chill. Mm -hmm. uh, was, did you catch who voices Joe Chill? I did not. It's Kevin Conroy. Oh. Fun little, fun little thing there. Very meta. I uh, know, very meta. Um, but yeah, but like even that is also heartbreaking too because like Bruce in a much more subtle, quick way realizes like, oh, he has to let go too and he has to watch his parents die again. <laughs> it's Yeah, so you see Thomas just beating the shit out of Joe Chill. Yeah. And then Clark calls out to Bruce and he's like, oh, right, this isn't real. And then the second Joe Chill just like, Stops getting beat up and shoots his dad. Yep. And they're like, fuck, man. Like, can we not? Just, you just can't catch a break. One season, can we yeah. not watch catch a break. Thomas and Martha get shot? At least this one's pretty effective. Yeah. And short. 
And there's well, I can think there's a little bit of slow mo. So there's no slow mo. <laughs> there's, <a little laughs> there's no pearl dropping. That's that, true. That's the important yeah. part. God. It's happened so many times. Um, oh, okay. I got a I got a question for you here. Okay. So after Superman is released, he goes to like save Wonder Woman and, and fight Mongol, and the fight gets to the point where like Superman like breaks him through the ground and they're in that big chamber. They have the, the two statues of mm-hmm. um, Jarell and Lara above him. And he looks up and sees the two of them. And like, he kind of comes back down to himself and realizes like, all oh, right, like they're the ideals to live up to. I'm still a hero. Do you think if the, he had like gotten punched into the animal terrarium or something like that, instead he would have gone through and actually killed Mongol at that point? Um, no, I, I still think that deep down he would never cross that line. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, this is the only but lo- lobotomy though. Like my lobotomize him. It's true. He's, he's down with that. I think this is the first time ever in any of these shows when I've really believed he would do it. Now we, I'm trying to remember the, the, the paper town speech is justice league, right? It's not, we already had the paper town speech. Did we? I, c- I can't remember this. It's when it's with dark side. I, I think it's later. Cause isn't dark side come back in season. I can't remember. I couldn't remember. I think it, no, I think you're right. I think it is the finale of justly limited when it happens. Cause there is that moment in, um, Oh fuck. What's the, the, the first episode of season two of justice league when it's him going up against dark side and brainiac when, when dark side shows up to, basically say like hey i need help brainiac's gonna kill all of us and they end up teaming up and there's that moment when he really um gets into the fight uh what's it called twilight there is a point in twilight when it feels like superman might actually kill dark side and i feel like that happened again here like i could almost buy it i could almost buy that he might just go ahead and go there if nothing got in his way I mean, yeah, I guess he probably wouldn't have done it. But like, there was a part of me that's like, mm, he might do it. Like, he is so devastated in this moment, he very well could just go ahead and kill a Mongol. Well, we do see him basically, like, dislocate his jaw, which oh, Mongol yeah. just puts back in place. Yeah, his face is fucked after that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, Mongol's defeated because they just, one of them throws the, the Black Mercy onto him, and then he gets lost in his own fantasy, presumably of world domination. So there was, I, I'm misremembering this moment, and I think... Uh, Young Justice. Did, do, do we see Black Mercy in Young Justice? I don't think so. Honestly, I can't keep any of these things straight anymore. Because I, I remember there's a scene. I think it. I don't think it's Black Mercy. I think he's being like mind controlled, probably by one of the Martians, probably by Miss Martian, where they're like, it's the it's the about to punch each other big finale where it cuts and you see the villain like cheering that he won, and then you zoom out and you see that it's all in his head. Oh, what is that? What is that from? I think that was somewhere in Young Justice. Yeah, that sounds familiar, but I can't quite. But I don't it. think it was Black Mercy, even though we do see Mongol. I mean, to be fair, there have been a lot of telepathic villains. There, yes, especially in Young Justice. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll get a hundred emails. We'll get messages. Blame Cameron, not me. He yes. brought it up. I didn't do it. Yeah, that's that's my fault. <laughs> but that's how I thought this one ended. And so when it when it didn't, oh, you okay, see yeah, like. Uh, Wonder Woman throws the Black Mercy at Mongol, mm-hmm. and then it's just and then it cuts from there. Yeah, well, it, we we get a little bit of audio of what his heart's desire is. And it's we, bunch, I it's mean, a bunch of screaming before it cuts back to 
the group shot of them all right. being happy together. There's that like brief cut to black mm. and then they're happy. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, this is when we see Mongol has it, won. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's someone else. I know yeah. what you're talking about. And I have no idea which one it is. Yeah. I can't think of it so. either. Um, I'll show you other little moments in here. Oh, I love that Batman's just going to give him cash. That I, it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. The two presents are Wonder Woman has found a new flower breed. Yeah. Or has created a new breed of rose mm-hmm. called the Krypton. Yeah. And Bruce gives him money. Because yeah. of course he does. He give him cash. Of course. He doesn't know how to interact with humans. He just flat out doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you think about it at this point, all of his allies have basically left him, like his own personal allies. So... All he has is the league and like all those allies too, like have this sort of deferential attitude. Superman and Wonder Woman are kind of the only two that like he has peer relationships with. Well, Zatanna who we'll see come back in a couple episodes. Yeah. I guess a little bit of that too, but like he doesn't know how to have like peer friends. Right. Yeah. He only knows how to have children that he puts in danger all the time. Yes. Yes. Uh, So it's great. You bring that up. I'm going to transition that into some black mercy history. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, so Black Mercy has appeared in a couple of comics. I think it originated in the Man Who Has Everything storyline. Okay. Um, it it is a unique plant. So it is from a living planet known as um, Ego, Mother Mercy, okay. similar to Ego. It's okay. a planet called Mother Mercy, and it was basically a spore sent out to dying planets as a way to ease their people into having happy days as their last days interesting yes and it landed on mongol's home world Mm -hmm. in sector 2811 which doesn't matter um beautiful uh i only know that because it it obviously started as superman villain thing it transitioned to a green lantern villain Mm -hmm. tool in the later years so i just read this comic a couple days ago uh green lantern and green arrow is a perfect life where no. Mongol too has come back to fulfill the deeds of his now dead father killed by Green Arrow or Green Lantern. Okay. Um, after he destroyed Coast City. And he infects Green Lantern and Green Arrow with the same plant. So I, I was gonna ask a question uh, and I'll finish the story, then I'll ask the question again. Um they're infected, but it since it's mainly attached to uh Hal, mm-hmm. the the happy world that Arrow sees is the happy world Hal thinks oliver wants to see so it's not exactly his perfect world oh okay and so his perfect world is he's just like a happy family man and it's very weird because his wife just keeps having children how uh uh, oliver's wife Oh, oliver okay yeah so like he's very close with connor his oldest who now takes on the role of speedy yeah uh but like every page his his wife just has another kid oh my god really like five kids when he's like this doesn't feel right uh and they basically both hear the same like lightning bolt there's a big thunderstorm going on while mm-hmm. hal's flying with his dad yeah um and that's what breaks oliver out and he can like pull hal out of it as well oh okay so eventually he does get out of it why, yeah. why all the kids well because like oliver's trait in the mid-2000s was this like he wanted to spend more time with connor but he didn't know how to oh, okay. connect with him so his solution was to have more kids so he has less time that's to spend. what hal thought oliver oh wanted. okay yeah he just wanted a better family okay got it um weird yeah, and so that would lead, because when I was watching this episode, my question was, like, why can't they call Manhunter to come and, like, get oh. into Clark's head to, like, pull him out? Yeah. But I think what would happen is we would, ju- like, uh, March Manhunter would also just fall under the spell. I think he would oh. see, he wouldn't see Clark. He would see his perfect world. 
Oh, but I, I see. Yeah, because the, the plant is telepathic. Yes. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's very possible, yeah, that if he tried to go in, he would just get brought back to Mars. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's more or less what happened with Dr. Destiny? Uh, there was there was one telepathic villain that, like, took him back. Yeah, it, it was it was Dr. Destiny. Oh, no, no, it was... Um, it, it was in the enemy, not the enemy below, but the um, the one where Grundy dies. Okay. Because they didn't trust. I'm, I'm thinking I'm conflating things. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, so the, the next iteration of the Black Mercy, this is what I thought was really interesting uh, for me, not for anybody else, only for Green Lantern fans. Uh, so post-Sinestro Corps War, uh, one of the Yellow Rings is sent to Mongol, who's able to alter the substance that black mercy is made of mm-hmm. so instead of showing people their like happiest fantasy yeah it now shows them their greatest fear and that oh. is what slowly kills them oh yeah fascinating uh and so one of so before he does that there's uh one other person that it latches onto, which i think is interesting in the segue that i meant to start up but completely forgot about uh with Natural. robin naturally it latches on to stephanie brown oh okay mm-hmm. And so her fantasy is her living like a happy life with her family. And she's brought into the Blue Lantern Corps, which I think is awesome, mm-hmm. while also taking on the role of New Nightwing. There's so much uh, that just happened in that sentence. Yes. And then Batman is the one that has to pull her back to reality. Yeah. Uh, back to reality where I think you, your dad's a supervillain. You're broken up with your boyfriend, Robin. And I think you were pregnant at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has a, a son yeah. in the comic. Yeah. And you're about to die in like four issues. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah. Great. Just great. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple other people that we've seen get infected, but we don't see their dream world. Like oh, okay. Aquaman's been infected. Batman's been infected twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Mongol has been infected. Mongol and Mongol 2 have been infected. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a plot device, but it's a very effective one. It's very good. They do really great work with that concept. Um, and, you know, I guess for me, it kind of reminds me of Over the Edge a little bit where... Mm-hmm. Very much so. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a fantasy but the emotional stakes are still real, mm-hmm. even if the physical stakes of that world aren't. Like, there is still loss and devastation, and that's very real. And I think that's why it works so well. Absolutely. It's a great episode. Yeah, because well, yeah, it's, it's canon fantasy. What? So, like... Oh, okay. It's fantasies that are actually happening in the universe in canon. Yes. Oh, Okay. I wasn't sure if you were just talking about like someone who just really loves cannons. Yeah, just yeah. a lot. Just that, like, that's just my. If I had Black Mercy, it would just be me. Just a cannon fan. Yeah, like exactly. hall, of, hall of weapons. <laughs> cannons everywhere. <laughs> it's just, I just want to be a pirate. I, that's I get what it. it. Comes down to. I get it. It'd be fun. Um, no, I mean this is great. And again, I I wasn't. Ex- I forgot the exact lineup, and I wasn't expecting this to be like right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, again, in the same way that initiation shows what the general story structure is going to be like, and the general episode structure is be like going forward. This episode also shows like, oh yeah, we're going to get like, if we're not necessarily doing a new character, new story thing, we're going to get real deep with the characters you already know. Yeah, and it's going to be like really emotional storytelling. It's done so well. That's so good. And the next time we see this, Wonder Woman turns into a pig. <laughs> That's a great episode. <laughs> it's a great episode. Well, we have the episode where they turn to kids first. Yeah. Well, I just mean like when it's like the, just the core. I guess it is just the core back then. Because Flash is the one that doesn't get turned into a kid and he has to be babysitter, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because that was my favorite storytelling device of the early 2000s. 
kids or the adults get turned into children every every i feel like every channel did that i know jackie yeah. chan adventures did it I oh think that's the right. same yeah. week i think I, it was like probably like a saturday morning package deal like, everyone becomes kids yeah because jade has Screaming to be babies. the babysitter yeah, that's, for baby jackie that's right that's right yeah um but yeah again like what a dumb concept they do such great work with so well yeah fucking wonder woman to a pig it's <laughs> such a good that's such a good i can't wait it's coming up soon i know it's pretty early on in the season i think too um all right any other thoughts on this uh i think we i think we covered it all all right well then should we wrap things up with some some plugs let's do it yeah we're, we're not going to do notes from friends this week because we probably received messages in the last three months <laughs> and i honestly just have not had the energy to go and look through them but we're back so please start sending us messages yes we're back <laughs> and answer all the questions that i've left open exactly I yes please, please come in and correct camera you can uh yeah. and but also, yeah. who would you have on each team because oh shit forgotten um does that count this time because they're not on a mission well, i'm asking for the fans not for us oh okay yeah no we're done talking <laughs> okay good uh you know it's uh, podcasting again it's like you know riding a bike you never forget the problem is i never learned how to ride a bike so we're fucked yeah <laughs> <laughs> we started off flawed yeah exactly it's only getting downhill from here uh all right uh bat plugs what do you have to plug for the past few weeks i've been listening to a new podcast <gasps> new to me not new in general i said you you don't really listen to a lot of podcasts i don't and this has kind of been my new staple i listen to about two episodes a week right now mm -hmm. called do go on also oh, part of the yeah. broadcasting network it's great uh we base all of our things off of them because yes. they do it so much better they really do uh, but it's so much fun, and it's it's kind of a um, story of the week podcast where it's three yeah. Australian comedians come together. They cycle who gets to tell the story, but each week one person picks a topic and does a deep dive, mm -hmm. and they kind of do like an hour synopsis on various topics. Mm -hmm. um, so they did one on like Woodstock, which is super interesting. Uh, they did one on Firefest, which I think was a great parallel between the two. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, right after the documentary came out. There was, uh, what was the one that I just listened to? The one that I'm currently currently listening to is a French cult uh, called the Raelianists. Oh my God, I don't even know what that is. Yes, uh, it is a, a cult leader. It's kind of like Scientology light, mm -hmm. where a cult leader is was a was abducted by an alien called the Raelianist, called the Raelian instead of the alien. My God, my God. Yeah. And it basically says, like, every story from the Bible is true, except it's a little bit wrong. Where, like, Noah's Ark wasn't a boat, but actually a spaceship the <laughs> Raelianists created for him because humanity was getting out of control and the the Raelians couldn't control them anymore. We're, humans are dumb. Yeah. We're so dumb. Yeah. Uh, but they don't kill people, which is a great... <laughs> like, oh, reason, hey, well, hey. The reason they picked that cult specifically was, like, they don't kill people. And that's oh. kind of good. What... what Congratulations. Weirdly on, rare in cults. You've passed the lowest bar possible. Yes. Well done. Well done, cult. Uh, but their their topics go from any like anything and everything. I oh, think yeah. the, the best episode I listened to was uh it's called The Tale of Two Dream Teams, which talks about the nineteen ninety two Olympics. Oh, okay. Where we all know the story of the American dream team, but there's a second dream team that like lost to the American team. Oh, the Russian team? Uh, no, the, um, wait, but that wasn't, that was 84. That was, yes. That was when Russia won because wait. pro players were not allowed to participate. So they couldn't wait. pull from the NBA. When was Miracle on Ice? 86. 86. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so that would have been winter. But I think, but even in the Miracle, they were all college players. They weren't professional players. Right. So it was after the basketball and the, I think it was in like 90. Oh, the dream basketball dream team. 
Yes. Uh, what do you think okay. I was talking about? I thought you were talking about the Miracle on Ice. Oh, no, no, confused. no. Miracle basketball team where Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, not Charles Barkley. You know, he wasn't on the team. Uh, Larry Bird, mm-hmm. Magic Johnson all, all, all came and just like obliterated the world. Yeah. Where like every game they won was 40 points plus. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but no, the other team was, was the, 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 oh my God, the Lithuanians. Okay. Who were under Soviet control. Until uh, the until the ninety two Olympics, oh, okay. so it was their first time getting to participate, not part of the Soviet Union, mm, okay. and they beat Russia, and that was their like big story. Oh, I don't know about that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Like that was their big triumph. Was like the small, like the country of Lithuania at the time was like not even the size of New York. Mm-hmm. It was so small. They killed so many people, Ugh. but still, this team came out, and even when it was a Soviet team, the Lithuanians made up like eight of ten players. Oh my god. Uh, it was really interesting. It was really touching, just kind of hearing the history of these like really oppressed people. Yeah. To then lose to these multi-millionaires on the American team. Oh my God, that's I mean that's just how the world works. <laughs> this is how it sadly, works. sadly, sadly, yep. yeah. Nothing, nothing gold can stay. <laughs> no. Uh, and the next episode I'm going to listen to is the history of Betty White. Oh, very that's, excited. Ooh, that'd be for. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what have you been watching and listening, reading? Uh, I also have a podcast to plug. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, our friend and former guest on the show, uh, Jonathan James, he put out the first few episodes of a new narrative podcast called Space Ranger 421. And it's kind of got a, um, like an aliens vibe. It's like aliens being like, you know, the more like action adventure. Well, yeah. But like the idea, like they, you know, it's a, a team of people go to Mars and try to like kind of uncover a mystery. And there's this threat looming in the background and it kind of has this very claustrophobic feel and stuff like that. It's really good. Like he, he did a lot of it himself, like really good production design, like good voice casting, he did an excellent job on it. Um, I think the first four episodes are out now as of the time of recording. Okay. And they're short. They're like five to 10 minutes per episode and it all builds towards a, a, a longer story. So I, I got a preview of it earlier on. I've, so I've heard the whole thing and I'm re-listening to it as it's coming out and it's uh, it's really good. So I highly, highly recommend that. Nice. Um, and then I watched uh, Sweet Tooth. Oh, how was that? On Netflix. It's good. It's really, really sweet. I know like, um, no pun intended, like obviously we make reference to the, the Weekly Planet. Like they covered it recently. They kind of talked about the fact that it's a lot different than the comic, which I have not read. Yeah. Apparently the comic is very dark. Right. Yeah. This, this is not. I mean, to be fair, like it does involve like very pandemic elements to it and there's some like visual cues that are like oh my god we're kind of currently living this now but beyond all that though it is like a really nice story of like this kid has just has a very positive outlook on the world and everyone around him is like really cynical from having lived through this pandemic and there's animal hybrids now and it's all this crazy shit's going on and he just like is always trying to find like the best possible thing in people Mm -hmm. it's it's really nice it's like a really nice like kind of heartwarming um way to view a lot of what we've gone through this last year as okay. people. Yeah, um, very much so. Yeah, and it's 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 eight episodes, like acting's good in it, it's like good storytelling. It's really it's worth well worth a watch. Great. So yeah. I I, I I'm in a very as I've mentioned on the previous few episodes, still in a place where it's hard for me to I absorb new content at the moment. Yeah. So I, I feel like that sounds like a good like slow ease back into the the new world. Yeah. So that's good. Also, it's the Krolltans. I just remember the word. Thank you. I remember well, in the middle of your story is the Krolltans. Well done. <laughs> well done. So no that. need for all the emails. If you're writing, if you're still in the middle of writing your long email that is now taking place over an hour, we found the answer. You don't need to send it anymore. But if you've written it and you're <laughs> just hovering over the send button, go ahead and send it through yes. anyways. The Krolltans. The Krolltans. Uh, Very similar to the Kaminoans. It, it was the yeah, same mouthfeel. There, there's some... <laughs> 
<laughs> there is some similar mouthfeel, yes. I was about to say there's like similar consonants happening there, but I prefer your descriptor. <laughs> Very similar mouthfeel. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for us. We did it. Yeah. Now for another four-month break. I know. We're, I, we're, we're, these are actually becoming more regular now. There won't be a three-month gap in between. We won't be taking a month and a half gap between recordings. So hopefully the next one will be out very soon. Um, but the next episode will be covering episodes three and four of Justin Limited, which is Kid Stuff and Hawk and Dove. Oh, I love Hawk and Dove. Man, these are good episodes. Oh, okay. Well, here, if we needed a motivator to keep going, episode five, This Little Piggy. There we go. All right. <laughs> Let's get some Kevin Conroy singing Oh, again. my God. But Okay. But then episode... Okay. Honestly, like, know what's going to keep us going? Just the lineup of what's coming next. So, to give everyone a preview, right? Okay. So, the next, our next episode will be Hawk and Dove, or no, Kid Stuff and Hawk and Dove. Mm-hmm. After that, This Little Piggy and Fearful Symmetry, which is the Galatea episode. Ooh. After that, The Greatest Story Never Told and The Return. The Return is The Return of Amazo. Oh, fuck. Great episode. Oh, man. Some time um, with the Atom again? I yeah. Atom. After that is Ultimatum with the Ultimatum, which I don't really quite remember very well. But then Dark Heart, which is the return of the uh, the alien technology from the very first episode from Secret Origins. Okay. Um, oh, my God. It just keeps going. Wake the Dead, which is the Solomon Grundy episode. Yes. And then the Once and Future Things part one and two. This is a stacked season. This is. Yeah. We have a lot oh, to look forward to. Oh, oh, oh. All right. I'm very much excited about this. Good. Very excited. Uh, but yeah, that's a little taste of what's to come in the next few weeks here. Uh, but thank you as listening for always. Thank you for uh, sticking with us despite yes, the, 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 the us. long, long break. Uh, it was longer than intended just because Violetta's camera and I both had a lot of personal shit to work through over the yes. last few months. We're getting we're getting there. Getting there. Getting there. But uh, this is helping. Not with each other. We should stay that far. We're, we're, we're good. good yeah, we're fine. Yeah. The jo- it's a joke. It's a joke that we don't <laughs> like each other. We, we very much enjoy each other. Yes. That part's never going to change. Um, but yeah, we'll back. We'll keep this going. But uh, if you want to reach us, you can find us at Tim Tuck Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, 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 yes. I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. If you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Boom, boom, boom. I remember how to do it. Yeah. All right. But thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back most likely next week. Definitely next week. Hopefully next week. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, thanks everyone and bye bye. Bye. Beautiful. We'll workshop it.